glad to be with you this morning. My name is Randy. I'm one of the, the teaching team here. Uh, we're in a, a series uh, making our way through Jesus' teaching in what is called the Sermon on the Mount. We'll be here for a while. Um, I've mentioned before, to really understand Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, as well as his teaching throughout the Gospels, we, we must keep in mind that all of Jesus' teaching is an explanation of his declaration of the now available kingdom, eternal kind of life or kingdom life that is available through him. Dallas Willard describes the Sermon on the Mount this way. He says, what we have come to call the Sermon on the Mount is a concise statement of Jesus' teachings on how actually to live in the reality of God's present kingdom available to us from the very space surrounding us. It concludes with a statement that all who hear and do what he there says will have a life that can stand up to everything that is, a life for eternity because it is already in the eternal. This morning we're going to look at the next few verses of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus declares that those who believe in him to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Here's what Jesus says. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Before we look at this text this morning, let's pray. Papa, thank you for the living word. Jesus, who is himself the word, having come to earth to show us the way, to lead us into the life that we have been created to live. Holy Spirit, would you illumine our hearts this morning? Would you stir us with confidence in you and confidence in your work in us and through us? Would you help us to, to grasp the meaning of Jesus' words here that we might be truly those who, like you, are salt and light. Lead, have your way. Warm our hearts. In Jesus' name. So who is the salt of the earth and the light of the world that Jesus is speaking about here? As we continue our way through the Sermon on the Mount, it, it will always be important to keep in mind who the audience is that Jesus is speaking to. 
We're told by both Matthew and Luke immediately prior to their description of Jesus' teaching that Jesus is surrounded by a large crowd of disciples along with a great multitude of people. This is not a quiet fireside chat late one evening where he's sitting with the twelve. It's not even a congregational meeting where he is sitting around with perhaps the twelve and another seventy or so. No, this is a multitude of people and a crowd of disciples is the language from the text. There were all kinds of people, the poor, the working class, the hurting, lonely, broken, sick, and dying. There are the religious leaders, probably some of the upper class. There are those who are following Jesus and want more of God. And then there is a whole lot of people who are trying to figure out life and just get by. Jesus had just before teaching spent hours and hours relating to, ministering to, and healing a very, very large crowd of people. He had, in fact, demonstrated that the presence of God's kingdom, God's eternal kind of life, was now available to all of them. Luke tells us, the people had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. Everyone was seeking to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. And then he began to teach them. Jesus showed them and us that the life of God, a good and blessed life, is available to all of us, that no one is left out. They were all healed. They all experienced the goodness and the favor of God. They were all blessed. Now as he is teaching, he says to that same crowd of disciples and multitude of people, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. When we read these words, we as Christians immediately conclude Jesus is talking to us as followers, which he is. But could I suggest something a little more broadly? It's my sense that Jesus is actually saying this to all of those in the crowd who had just experienced the presence of God's kingdom and the eternal kind of life. If they had experienced being healed or blessed by seeing a loved one healed or themselves being healed or by watching someone get healed or simply by seeing and sensing the presence of God there and with them, then they, having experienced the life with God, no matter who they were or where they were in relationship to God, had now become salt. And they, having experienced this life with God, were now in used with that life and were to go allowing that life in them to be salt to those around them. They were to be a witness and messenger testifying to those around them in their life of what they had seen, heard, and experienced. Does that make sense? Our testimony doesn't come from information we have, but experience of God is experiencing His love, the life that He has created us to experience. Yes, there's teaching. Yes, there's understandings. This text is all about that. 
but we are salt and light as we have experienced and live in the kingdom of God, the eternal kind of life that we have been called to live now. Imagine again this scene as was described by the apostles. Thousands and thousands of people had just experienced the present and power of God. They had been healed. They had seen someone healed. Can you imagine what those people are going to talk about nonstop for the next few days? Maybe even the rest of their lives? How many times are they going to recount the story of Jesus coming up to them or their loved one, speaking to them, touching, healing, delivering, and setting them free? Think maybe they'll recount it, you know, a couple of times? Maybe just the next few days? I don't think so. They were changed. All of them were changed. They were not the same. The kingdom of God was present around them and in them. You are the salt of the earth. Go tell the world about me and this new life that you have experienced. But don't ever forget this new life in me. Don't let the story get cold. Keep living in that life. Keep on experiencing God near and with you. But if that experience becomes old and dry and you forget about this life you've experienced and you go back to life as usual, well, your saltiness will have lost its ability to flavor and bring life to those around you. In the vineyard, I, I learned the language to talk about uh, the telling of Holy Ghost stories. And uh, I told a Holy Ghost story this morning to uh, some folks that were here. A story of an encounter with God that changed me. And I've told you dozens and dozens and dozens of them. I had one this week that I didn't know where it would fit. Clara suggested that I share it. So my personality um, tends to struggle with self um, abuse. That's probably a pretty good word for it. Um, my personality type um, gets distressed, not at others, um, not at God, but at myself. And I was sitting in a meeting this week, and, and there was a conversation that came up about, uh, it was a meeting in uh, church leaders, uh, the six that have been meeting now for the last four years, and and uh, there was a conversation about the need for uh, some bookkeeping records and things of that nature. And we have a bookkeeper who's a couple of people, actually, who participate in the bookkeeping. But I'm the, I'm the one who oversees uh, the bookkeeping by uh, tending to it, so to speak. And uh, honestly, it's hard for me to fit that in. And it's okay, pretty much it's fine, it's a little bit of this or that. But anyway, in that meeting, all of a sudden, the... The, the guilt and shame of, doggone it, I haven't worked on that for a while. And I had a sense, I felt like God wanted to give me some self-awareness. And, and I sensed that what was happening in that moment was like as if I'm taking a knife and stabbing myself in the heart multiple times with condemnation, and I'm bad. And I've done that kind of thing all my life. 
But I felt the Holy Spirit. I felt God with me. I had not pursued Him in any particular way in that, but God was with me, Emmanuel. And He said, put down the knife. That is not your job to strike yourself in the heart with shame and guilt. I love you. We'll get to it. We'll get it done together. Let it go. That was a real life experience and encounter with God. And I think I'm different as a result of it. Pretty graphic imagery. Holy Ghost stories are important. Testimony, witness. It's important to recount the encounters we have with God. In the telling of them, we, are, we experience it again. Second thing I want to point out is that Jesus said this to all of them. The you in his words, <clears throat> in both cases of speaking, of you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, are in the plural. He's, he's saying something along the lines of all you all are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And I believe because of the nature of union and oneness that we are to have as a people with the Trinity and together with one another, that Jesus is saying that we, we are together with the Trinity, salt and light. Jesus is saying, all you all, together with us, are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. <clears throat> Imagine you have bought some ribeye steaks that you're going to grill today after church, which we did a couple days ago. And you're the one who's going to do the grilling, and, and you get the steaks laid out. You've let them warm up to room temperature before grilling. You know that you're supposed to do that, right? And, and then you very, very carefully place a single grain of salt on each steak. Salt's very important. So you, you put one single piece of salt on there. These awesome ribeyes. You grill them up. You grill them perfectly. They're just, just pink on the inside. Almost all the way. Because you've seared the outer sides. And, and then the, it keeps all the... Oh, they're just awesome. And everyone is so excited. And they take a bite and they say, Yeah! What did you do to those steaks? They're terrible. They're flavorless. They look great, but they taste terrible. Oh, yeah, one grain of salt doesn't quite get the job done, and neither does it with us. We are called to be salt and light together. It's the same thing. One person's expression of light is hardly that like the light of a city set on a hill, is it? But when our light is combined with the light of others, the light is more able to be seen. Now, we're going to watch a video clip in just a moment, but I want to explain it just a little bit. We're going to turn the lights completely off, all of them, because it's a little dark. It's a dark scene in, in the dark, uh, and so the lighting is very dim. On February 18, 1952, there was a massive storm 
off the northeast coast of the United States. Just one of those horrific storms that happens every 20, 30 years or 50 or whatever. I don't know. But horrific. Two ships that had been built during World War II with thinner metals and less quality work split in half. These ships split in half. One of them, I think both of them, remained afloat for a while. I don't get how that is, but they did. Coast Guard was able to get to one of them. They were able to get a, uh, a signal off, a distress signal, come and get us. The other boat lost their equipment to give a distress signal. They're floating out in the water. Nobody knows about them. There's 32 men, 33 men on this ship, half the ship. The rest had, there were six that passed in the others. And so the word eventually gets, figures out that there is a second ship and a daring rescue mission is undertaken by three Coast Guard crewmen facing a ferocious storm in 40 to 60 foot waves in a 36 foot lifeboat. Mita Tina. A boat that is designed to hold 12 people. And in one of the tremendous uh, waves, the boat is thrown 36 feet up in the air, comes back down and lands on its side, but it is designed to right itself. It's a wooden boat, by the way. No fiberglass yet in 1940-52. It rights itself, but the compass is ripped off the boat, and they have no compass. Somehow, they miraculously, somehow, miraculously found the ship and they brought the 32 of the 33 sailors onto their lifeboat. And this is the story of their return attempt to get to land. Did you say you had 32 survivors on board? They rescued them. They rescued 32 of them. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, 32. We lost our compass, so we don't know where we are. We're going to try to make it back home. Can't get back without a compass. Not in this weather. You'll make it back. You lost your compass, whoever. Negative 36500. This is the Pollock Light Ship. Do not proceed to shore. We're five miles northeast of the Pendleton's last known location. Proceed to our position. Over. CG 36500, Station Channel. Proceed to the Pollock Light Ship. Unload all survivors. Airborne. They know, right? Raven T. CG 36500, you copy. They know where they are. Someone tell me where I am, because I don't know where the hell we are. Welcome. Do you copy? Oh, that's not to see. No. This is Station Channel. Do you copy? We just got you all off a boat, so there's no way we're. I'm gonna get you all back up one. CG 36500, this is Station Chatham. Trevor, your orders to proceed five miles northeast and unload all survivors off the top. Stuff in the car. 
I'm not sure. Just, uh, just obeyed all my ranking offices. They don't know, so I guess I, I better then, right? The wind on my left going out. Figure if I uh, keep it on my right, we ought to be heading the right direction. I'm just follow the lights on shore. Follow all the lights on shore. Listen up! I'll put the sea behind us! Just, just let it push us along till we lay up somewhere! The storm's, storm's easing up, boys, so we just look for the lights on the shore to guide us in. Even if we have to go so far as Nobska Point, so be it. We just gotta find land. What a heck of a long day, right, fellas? Yeah. Sure has. Don't you give up hope on me now. The good boat, she'll get us through. We'll get you home, okay? We're all going home. There's a dark, broken world out there.
As bright as the sun looks today, there's a lot of darkness. A third thing I want to point out is that like all expressions of the kingdom life that we are called to, our expressions are always an extension and continuation of the kingdom life of Jesus. In John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Have the light of life. Jesus was and always will be the light of the world. Yet he said an amazing thing that stunned me in John 9 as I read it this week. In John 9, 5, Jesus says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Think about that verse just for a minute. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. While we look back at the life, ministry, and teaching of Jesus as amazing and profound and world-changing, that was not to be the end of his life. His life and the kingdom expression of it was to continue. According to Jesus, while he was in the world, he was the light of the world, and he is still the light of the world, but now he is that light in us and through us. Clark Pinnock, in his book, Flame of Love, highlights this. The church may be viewed in many different ways. Here, let us view it from the standpoint of the Spirit. Let's see it as a continuation of the Spirit-anointed event that was Jesus Christ. His birth, life, baptism, ministry, death, resurrection, ascension, and glorification. This is a natural way to regard a community that was created by the Spirit on the day of Pentecost to carry on the kingdom ministry of Jesus and be first fruits of the new humanity he represented. Spirit was present at the birth of the church as well as at Bethlehem. And the church is dependent on the power of the Spirit just as Jesus was. After the resurrection, God's kingdom, which had begun to manifest itself in Jesus himself, would continue to transform the world through the community of empowered disciples. The church is the instrument of Christ called to carry on His mission in the power of the Spirit. There is no backup plan. This power of the Spirit is given to help the church become a servant who follows the sacrificial path of Jesus. The believers have said yes to Christ's representative journey on behalf of humankind, and God's strategy now is to create out of them a new community marked by deeds of love and caring that anticipate the presence of the kingdom and declare it. May I remind us again that we are not called to be salt and light on our own. Pinnock so clearly reminds us that the action of being salt and light as it was in Jesus is expressed through the empowering presence in our lives of the Holy Spirit. 
There is nothing that God asks or declares us to be that He expects us to do or be on our own. That which is different about living and acting in the kingdom of God in the eternal kind of life and experiencing the superabundant life is that we are living and acting with God and not on our own. I was reflecting on this in my devotions one day this week, and and I wrote this. How difficult it is to think of our doing and acting while cooperating with you doing and acting in and through us. Yet we act with others all the time. When something is too heavy or awkward for us to carry on our own, we use a tool to help us, like a wheelbarrow or a dolly or another person. There are many things we know we cannot do alone, so we get help. The trouble is when we think we can do it on our own. And right there is the challenge. Every single one of us are trained and ready to act on our own. I got this. I can do this. I'll make it through with God's help. No, 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 no. We, 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 we don't need God's help. John Wimber, years and years ago, <laughs> he prayed a prayer. This is in his biography or someplace. He said, God, I just need more of your help. And he heard God say, well, John, just how much help do you need? We don't need God's help. We need God. Every moment, every day, to do anything and everything. We are declared by Jesus to be salt and light, yet somehow we can hinder or minimize the saltiness and the brightness. And I would suggest that it is hindered and minimized when we act on our own without Throughout the centuries, the church has expressed outreach in a variety of ways. Uh, one has been the preaching of the good news. Another has been the caring for human needs. Frequently, the church's outreach has been one or the other. Jesus, however, expressly and regularly, excuse me, Jesus regularly expressed both. As it was that day. He healed the sick cast out demons, touched the needs of people, and taught. And that should be our practice as well. Notice his words at the end of these statements about being salt and light. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You know, good works in our day has a bad rap. Some have somehow declared that such acts to be faulty because of people somehow depending on them to earn their salvation. So we just let go of doing good works. But clearly, Jesus did not have such a view of good works. Rather, he sees them as the very means for people coming to know God and his love. 
friends, let's get back the good works. Not to earn our salvation, that's already done, but to be salt and light. The apostle Paul, we know, to have been both a preacher and a teacher. And in 1 Corinthians, he clarifies that while he did preach and teach, it was the expression of the kingdom through the spirit and power upon which he depended. I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, that's pretty much how most of us approach outreach. That sounds a lot like me when I'm out and about and thinking about being salt and light among the public. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom. Uh, I kind of stumbled over my words. I wasn't really sure what to say. It felt really awkward. But with a demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Friends, there is nothing that God asks us to be or to do alone. I am not alone. Beautiful song. And we are never alone. But we are frequently not mindful of that. This past week at my community group, one of the members was sharing about how their understanding uh, that being salt and light not only needed to be expressed in the world around them, but also in their home with their spouse and children. To which I replied, if we're not salt and light in our homes, we will never be it in the world. Being salt and and light at its heart is showing God's love to others, which is most easily felt through action. Our church narrative says, as we experience God's great love for us, we love Him, we love one another, and we love His lost and hurting world. Sometimes that love will be expressed through words of kindness and comfort, but it must also be expressed in our actions, as it did through Jesus. This summer, as has been described in the announcements during uh, our announcement time, that we'll be having numerous groups who will be gathering monthly in Supper 8s. And these are great ways to connect with uh, other, one another from our church, share our lives, pray for one another. Commitment's pretty easy, just once a month. But Clara's and my heart and vision for them is that with some, a little bit of intentionality, they also can be expressions of love and outreach. If you're going to be in attending a Supper 8 this summer, summer, may I encourage you to consider, is there a friend or a couple or a family who's unchurched or dechurched? that you might be able to invite. Typically, out of eight people, one might have somebody like that. And if that one might come, then there are eight lights 
to share God's love with them. You don't all have to bring a guest. Inviting someone to join you and some friends for dinner and hanging out is a lot less threatening than inviting them to church, particularly for the de-churched. And it can provide an opportunity for those in your group together to show love and care to those outside the church. For together, we are to be salt and light. Jesus has declared us who have experienced God's life and love to be salt and light through our individual lives, in our homes, in the workplace, in our neighborhood, at the market, and on the highway, but also has declared us to be salt and light together as a community, as a part of the great family of God, both of which can only be done through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. So if you're tongue-tied, if you're unsure, if you feel awkward, that's okay. Jesus is with you, always. The Holy Spirit is with you to give you words. It can be done. We can live and act with God in such a way that those around us can see our good works, experience God's love and our and God's love and our love and give glory to our Father in heaven. I'd like us to just pause for a minute with this talk. And I'd like you just to take a moment of some self-reflection. No knives. Please put your knives away. How are you experiencing being salt and light? And beyond that, what is God's invitation to you? What's God's invitation to you about being salt and light? I'd like you just to take a moment and consider that. How are you doing at being salt and light? And what's God's invitation? Take a minute or two, and then I'll close. Jesus, thank you for showing us the way by shining your light into the world and into our hearts. Thank you that this is your call. That being salt and light is your ministry. And we get to come along. Would you help us? <laughs> Would you be with us? We don't really know how to do this very well. We don't do it very well even in our homes sometimes. But you do. Would you teach us? Would you open our eyes to see the opportunities, to see the times when, oh, look, uh, yeah, this is what you're doing because you are always at work. You, Papa, are always 
doing something in people's lives. And you want to show us what that is, and you want us to join you, even if it's simply to pray, to welcome your kingdom come on earth, your will here in the lives of those you love, which is everyone. There's not a person out here on this planet that you don't love and desire to be with you for all eternity. Not a one. Nobody's excluded. And could we, along with you, become a community together of salt and light, bringing flavor and season, comfort, love, and kindness to the world, to the broken, the hurting, that your light would so shine that people would go, there's a God, and I just met him through you. Let it be so. Let it be so. Thanks for coming and hanging out. If you're a guest, I didn't say amen. <laughs> uh, it means it is so. And I think over and out just isn't the what I want to say at the end of my prayers anymore. <clears throat> so, over and out, we're done. Just to make sure you know, uh, without the, uh, that word, the A word. Um, thank you for coming. Hope you experience God. Wait, not quite. If you would like prayer, <laughs> uh, if you would like to talk with somebody, we've got folks that will be here at the front. Would love a, ch a chance, opportunity. Maybe you came in and you're struggling with difficulty. Maybe you are uh, not feeling experiencing God with you. We would love a chance to pray with you. There'll be uh, both men and women up here. You're welcome to come to any of us and we'd be happy to chat with you or pray with you. Have a God week. Have a with God week. Bless you all. Go.